0: Hey there, friends, and this is another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. Last week, I was a little bit tired, so I didn't get time to uh, edit this uh, video. Um, No, what am I saying? Edit this podcast. And so here's a conversation that I had a couple of weeks ago with Ruth Baker, Who is a single mother who is a writer as well and an environmental um, consultant. And it was such an interesting conversation because I got to be able to talk with her about a topic that I don't get to talk to a lot of people about. Um, What it means and what it looks like to be a single mother. And also, as a man, I got to ask her questions of what she feels like, what womanhood is about. So take your um, cup of Earl Grey and get ready for another week of Conversations with Earl Grey. Please excuse the audio quality. We had to record from my phone because my computer wasn't working and our Zoom conversation kind of failed. And so, but without further ado, So I'm here with Ruth and Ruth Baker, and uh, we're redoing this podcast because um, the podcast failed on one of our phones. So here we are um, in her wonderful lounge room uh, with a sulking dog who might whimper and you might hear her, but that's okay, um, talking uh, with Ruth Baker, who is a writer. Uh, and a consultant in... Environmental uh, consultant. What what is an environmental consultant? Not even my
1: parents know what I do for a living. (laughs) Um, An environmental consultant is somebody who helps companies who are building um, new dams or new roads, um, new factories, and will do all the environmental assessments to help them get their approval, but in so doing, uh, help them to design it so that it... Doesn't have any environmental impacts. Yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. So, what, what was, what has been your latest project?
1: I was working
0: on a large water transfer pipeline. Wow. Um, down in the Southern Highlands. Oh wow. And writing. Your latest piece has been um, published on the Gospel Coalition, right? On yes. sisterhood. Yeah. Which we're going to talk a little bit about. But just starting off, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, okay, so born and bred in England, um, born in the glorious 70s, uh, came out to Australia in the year 2000, two weeks after the Olympics. Wow, um, yeah. yeah. I know, I missed it, um, and, uh, really came alone, alone, suitcase, didn't know anybody, thought I'd give it a go, well, I was only 28, um, and then just never went back, and now living in Western Sydney, which my... Two kids and a sulky dog.
0: Yeah. Um, and you are divorced. Yes. And you're single. Yes. And there's you've talked a little bit about, in some of your posts, about singleness. Yeah. And your desire to... You messaged me out of the blue yeah. um, after my previous uh, podcast with Simon Sheet about his singleness. About... Um, kind of reclaiming singleness as a single parent. Tell me a little bit about
1: that. Well, the reason I reached out to you is because you don't see anywhere really much uh, discussion or literature about singleness being an actual lifestyle choice. Mm. Um, You see a lot about uh, singleness being a kind of (laughs) um, default lifestyle lifestyle choice. And And when I separated and was divorced I decided straight away that I wouldn't be uh, married again. Mm. Why, so, why is that? that? So for me, um, that was based on theology, so straight reading of scripture, and I want to be um, quite careful and respectful in how I talk about that, because I know mm. that's not the decision from other people, mm. um, and, and that's that's their decision. That's to, I'm not going to argue with that at all, uh, but for me, it was, it was a conscience decision Um looking at scripture that I don't think I can marry again. At the same time, it was also, um, for me and my two little boys, um, it felt like the most godly parenting decision as well. I felt quite uncomfortable bringing a new person into our family unit. Um, They're still very young. um, And I just was worried about what that would mean in terms of how you build your house in the Lord and what that does to our relationship and their relationship with God. And,
0: yeah. And so it just seems like the most godly yeah. thing to do. It feels like, because sometimes people say uh, the, the idea of single mum is, is nearly a tragedy, that, you know, it's it's a slog, you know. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor you, single mum. Yeah. But you seem to be taking this as a, as a sacrifice that is worth living. I think it's definitely a sacrifice worth living. And I think... Uh,
1: as well like it is a slog and initially the first couple of years are really hard like really learning how to do everything and learning how to be on your own is is terribly hard Um, and I think that all the single moms I know have have reclaimed the term in some way Um, but obviously stereotypes exist because there is truth in them Um, having said that I'm um, it was really important to me that I didn't shrink into a label because there's two things you can do. You can either shrink into a label or you can grow into it and amplify it and make it a great thing. Um, so I didn't want to just be, oh, you're a single mum and you're surviving single mumness. Um, you kind of go, well, what if I actually made a definitive decision? I'm going to be single for the gospel. It is a godly parenting decision for our family, for our individual unit. Uh, and, and almost be sort of declarative about it. Like it's, it's a genuine decision. It's not a, I'm not declaring it because I'm, I'm actually waiting till someone comes along. I'm declaring it because this is my choice for life now. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see actually I'm, I deliberately chose to wear some different rings on my ring finger, um, partially because it's a sign to me of my um, commitment, but also so, people always look at your ring finger out in the world. Yes. So it, it says to everybody else, I'm just not even in that space. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. even come up as a question.
0: Yeah. I can imagine that this is a very difficult... Uh, it would have been very difficult because friends would have consoled you in ways... Of saying, "Oh, there's still chance; you can still marry again." Yeah. How did how did you kind of wrestle with that friend space and those kind of platitudes?
1: And I think those—that's definitely been said to me by several people, um, because they're coming from a space of wanting you to be happy, um, and especially when you're coming from a marriage breakup, the thing that will make you happy is having a new one, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's terribly well-meaning, and so it was it was quite confusing to them, I think, at the start, and I said, no, 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 it's okay. And it's not um, an angry thing, it's not a, a, a sort of hurt rejection thing, it's just, no, this is, I've looked at all the facts, and this is my decision for life now. Um, and it, it it really struck me that all the literature out there is about when is it okay to start dating again, and, um, you know, when, when can you couple up, and... Um, that is the easiest thing to do. Certainly in church, you don't stand out as much. You don't feel like there's any stigma attached to you. You blend in if you're with another person. Um, so, it, uh, well, financially, it's easier. It's better for parenting. You know, it's easier all around. Um, so that is just in the general air that we breathe. Um, but it really did feel like coming out at some points, you know, where people say, of course, you'll couple up at some point. And I go, no. Nope. Um, yeah. sit down, I've got some news for
0: you um, I'm
1: not going to be in a relationship again What?
0: That's, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. We, that's not a cultural thing Yeah. It, it strikes me that you must be a very convictional person is that right? You, you live by your convictions and you follow through with it?
1: I try to I mean I'm a hot mess
0: most of the time <laughs> <laughs> as, as
1: most of my friends and children will testify to but um i've uh, always yes uh having been brought up through the 70s by hippie parents um who were hippie parents are convicted about everything um <laughs> but since being a four of christ as well I'm, i i've become deeply convicted about things yeah. um yeah that doesn't mean i don't struggle with them no but it no. certainly means that i i feel more definite and i have a stronger anchor point yeah. in the things that convict me
0: yeah I wonder, how does being a Christian shape you as a single mum and that conviction? Yeah. How does that, does that strengthen you or does, yeah, how does that?
1: That's an excellent question. I think always it strengthened me um, because I think there's never been a moment, even in the darkest, darkest days, where I wasn't a thousand percent sure that God was right there with me. And he was louder during those times than any other time since I've become a Christian. Um, But also because when you're making a decision to be single, like you're making any big life decisions, if you want to be intentional about it, it takes some thought about, okay, well, how am I going to build my house? And that's so always stayed with me is that sort of metaphor of, okay, if I'm going to build my house in the Lord, how do I do that? Mm. Um, and so as a single mum, that means, you know, how am I going to parent? How am I, what's our house, our house that like? what's our free time going to be used for? Um, and just how do I want to be as a mum? And so that uh, presses into every bit of your life then. And so I, I'd say it gives enormous foundation.
0: Mm. And... How would it be different if you weren't a Christian? I don't know how I'd have got through it, to be honest. Yeah.
1: I really don't know how I'd have got through it. Because in the really dark moments, when you feel completely (laughs) alone, I don't know how people who don't have Christ get through those moments. Because um, (laughs) in those moments, you know, you can have the big Hollywood... Hysterics! I'm crying and I'm lying on the floor in the fetal position and life is terrible. And at some point, the crying stops and you're just lying on the floor in the fetal position and you have to get up and go put the kettle on and yeah. feed some small people. And um, it's it's messy and it's, it's gritty and it's real. But if you have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, which you do as a parent... Um, the only thing that you can lean on is Christ because there is nothing else.
0: Like, everything is stripped from you. Yeah, especially you don't have parents here yeah. in Australia and you don't have family. No family, no family here. here.
1: Um, yeah, and my friends all at church. And obviously when marriages break up, there's a really eggy bit where it's like you kind of move on from that church. Yeah, and, and, so, and, and whose friends friend uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, and, and so you feel completely adrift. Um, and so when those moments happen, um, that's where you realise you're not adrift, actually. And while it's terrible, you you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it like. Um, you suddenly spring up and go that's right I, i'm wearing the armor of god and everything is right. wonderful but it helps you put one foot in front of the other
0: mm. i just want to go back and, and talk about that you talk a lot about being a courageous woman yeah in some of your writings yeah and it seems like you were a courageous woman as you picked up your convictions, even as you've gone through. How would you define courage?
1: Somebody asked me that the other day, you know. Oh. Um, which means it, it's a preoccupation for people, I think. Which is, and it's a great question for people to ask. I think what being courageous as a woman to me means is having uh, the... The boldness to be your authentic self. And that sounds, sounds like a terrible buzzline, doesn't it? A horrible bit of advertising. But um, I guess women self-edit all the time. Um, what we dye our hair. We wear certain clothes, particularly in church, you know, because we've all got our church faces on. and <laughs> um, we're, we're trying to, I don't know, there's, there's an anxiety behind a lot of what women do because we're, we worry about things. And, um, and then in the secular business world, where obviously that's the other place I am, is women self-edit because um, there's still a lot of sexism in there and um, you're trying to get ahead or you're trying to be equal with men and all that kind of stuff. You go, know, wow, you know, if we could just be our authentic selves, we'd be a lot happier, we'd go a lot further, uh, and we'd breathe so much more life into the people around us. By not trying to be something else. So that to me is
0: courage, is being yourself. Yeah, so courage Which is authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, that that's, that's so very much what what um what Brene Brown talks about. Have you heard of uh, Brene Brown? I don't
1: know I don't know what I think about Brene Brown.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I Yeah, I know what you mean, but but she, but she does, does talk about how courage is yes. being vulnerable. And yes. being vulnerable is being who you are. Yeah. And 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 um, I'm just read, I'm just listening to one of her books, being, and being who you are is cutting out the BS, if, if that's allowed. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> your show, you yeah. Really yeah. like No explicit <laughs> uh, rating. You no, know, but being, it, it's not having any BS. Yeah. It's not, because BS is different to lying. BS yeah. is knowing the truth. Yeah. So, BS is co- kind of completely not, not knowing, knowing the truth and just going on about BS. Uh, Whereas lying is knowing the truth and deliberately not saying the
1: truth. Yes, yeah. um, I think that's very good. Like I, I have to admit, I haven't read any Brene Brown, um, mostly because I kept reading the reviews of Brene Brown and some people saying, "Oh, she's amazing. <laughs> she's just like, the, and she's on the Oprah bestseller list and blah blah blah." And I'm kind of like, "Oh, is that going to be okay?" And then there's other people who are like, "Oh, she's just no good," and and so I've ended up not reading any Bre- Brene yeah. Brown. And because I am also worried about um, just truisms, and um, but what I would say about, I I think that thing that she says about authenticity is certainly correct, where I would push it further is saying that your authenticity is found in Christ. Mm. And the other thing that then I've read a lot about in this time is, well, what does that mean? Mm. Because you can say, I'm authentic in Christ, you go, great, and we all go home, and, and then you sit on your own and go, I don't you actually have to unpack it um, and there's been some really helpful books that I've read that, that help me to kind of work through what is my authentic self <clears> in Christ <throat> you know I am a hot mess I am a single mum there's lots of different labels and values and characteristics um, and so the then being in Christ in that allows you to amplify I you, you can live into your
0: label and really amplify it that's where that happens <throat> I think Two questions from that. What are some of the books? Because I, I I do a little bit of a book review, oh, but nice. you can do the book review here. What are some of the books there that you found have talked about identity in
1: Christ? Um, some of the most useful for me were um, Made for More by Hannah Anderson, which I thought was really great in terms of uh, a woman's identity in, in Christ. Uh, really foundational and very practical, which then led me on to Jen Wilkins' book, The Name of Which Suddenly Escapes Me, uh, in his image, yes, yes. Um, which kind of builds actually on what Hannah Anderson was saying, mm-hmm. but then other writers, um, uh, Claire Smith's um, mm-hmm. God's Good Design and Carrie Sand, mm-hmm. uh, Different By Design, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. those four particularly really helped me start to build a picture of, well, who am I in Christ and what does that actually mean, mm-hmm. separate to all those mm-hmm. sort of platitudes mm-hmm. and things.
0: Yeah. And honing into their identity in Christ, Yeah. what does that look like for you?
1: Um, you know, I thought the other day, um, when times are really tough, I really want to go and live in a medieval monastery. <laughs> you know, some beautiful old... in the countryside and it's always summer and then I said but but obviously with my kids and with modern plumbing um, so actually what I'm saying is I want to live in a five star hotel not the medieval monastery but it was that concept of having peace and serenity and time to be with Christ and I think my identity in Christ is always at its most sharpest relief when I'm spending time with him because and then I find that um, he's just kind of in the back of my mind all day, um, and that breathes into that authenticity. Um, because it, it's honing my wisdom, my thoughts, my words. And again, I'm a hot mess most of the time, so it's not like um, it's not like a perfection thing. Um, but I feel most at peace when I'm around Jesus. Mm.
0: You've got two kids, Yes. William, Yes. Nine. nine, and Henry, who's eight, eight and you're, you say Henry is Tigger? He is Tigger. Tigger, bounces all over the place, yes. and William yes. is your Christopher Robin. He is. How does being in Christ transform your parents? Uh, I say sorry a lot, yes. actually. I think that's
1: a big thing. Um, when you recognize your own identity in Christ and you're growing as a disciple it helps you recognize when you've done something wrong and so I find that uh, when I've gone overboard or I'm tired so my reactions haven't been so great that I can actually go to them and say that was on me that one like I'm really sorry Um, or you know this is the hundredth time that you haven't found your shoes but I shouldn't have reacted like that How else does it change? Uh, We talk a lot more about what is right and what is wrong, but from the perspective of character, um, not the prescriptive draconian kind of, you don't do this and you do do that. It's more a kind of um, growing the kids to be good men of character Mm. is really something that we talk about quite a lot.
0: Jen Walken writes in her book, In His Image, for the believer wanting to know God's will for her life, the first question to pose is not, what should I do, but who should I be? This has been Conversations with Earl Grey, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.